good. Thank you. And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. We are back at our regular time. And I have a request for those of you who are here with us live. Tell me how the sound is. How does it sound? Road Vagabond Live says there's no audio. Let me reset the stream. I don't know. Odyssey, apparently we're having some issues here. (sighs) It would not be a sci-fi for me production without some glitches, I guess, right? Welcome to the program, everybody. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Happy to have all of you with us. Whether you are here live on YouTube Odyssey Rumble or if you are here Memorex or if you listen to this program as a podcast, we're available on a number of different podcast platforms. Reminder, Stitcher is going away at the end of August. The email address, if you want to send us topic suggestions or guest suggestions, live from the bunker at sci fi for mecom you can always jump into the Discord, where we talk about a number of things, not, not necessarily stuff we talk about here. I mean, there's a lot of different conversations that are going on over there that are independent of this, because, you know, you guys have things you want to talk about. So, all right. Excuse me. All right, so hopefully we've got audio back on on Odyssey. Uh, We will see. Anyway, um, yeah, yesterday was kind of a weird day. Uh, But I got new RAM in the tower. We'll see what happens. I put new RAM in the tower, and I got a new cable for the audio, and it's plugged in where it's supposed to be plugged in, and I got all the settings. I think, I think the settings are okay. So if you guys, we're we're running a little, we're the audio levels now are running a little bit hotter than they were. So hopefully, it's not distorted. <coughs> Excuse me. Hopefully it's not distorted. Hopefully it's a little bit closer to the level that you would get from other places. And I think I know why uh, ours has been lower audio level than some of the others. Because I think it's a compression issue. I don't have a compressor on all of this stuff. So that's possibly why uh, our audio is lower than, say, Nerdrotic or or uh, uh, Valiant Renegade or some of these other guys. <coughs> Excuse me. I think they're using compression 
to uh, to boost their signal. And, and I don't have that. So that's that's possibly what's going on. So I'm trying to figure out ways that I can get the audio higher and and boost it up for your listening pleasure. And you're not having to crank the speakers up so much. So we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. <clears throat> Just in time for everything to shut down. I've already had a reboot, a hard reboot this morning. Um, because I was trying to get with this new RAM, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe with this, you know, maybe with, I got twice as much RAM, maybe that means that I can run another camera, uh, which is, you know, something that I've been trying to do with this computer is get another camera in here on this setup. And I got blue screen to death and it rebooted itself. So I, I I don't have that many cameras that I want. I don't have as many cameras. Let me see if uh, let me see if Mrs. Boss's camera came back. Did Mrs. Boss? Yeah, Mrs. Boss's camera is back. <clears throat> and of course, we've got the Batcave camera. So, so all good, all good. Anyway, all right. <coughs> Excuse me. So yesterday's show was uh, later in the afternoon, and oddly enough, the numbers are still pretty good. Comparatively speaking, I mean, about the same number of people tuned in when we went live, and about the same number of people have watched the show since then. So maybe we can start bouncing around our time, and y'all just have to chase us. I don't know. I I I, I probably won't do that to you. <coughs> so anyway, okay. Let's let's say hi to some people in the chat. Wait, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, let's say hi to some people in the chat. Let's see. Cam's here. Multiverse Tonight here. Uh, Keely's here. Dave's here. Michael's here. Death Angel Shadow's here. Uh, Mrs. Boss is in the chat. And, uh, y'all need to behave yourself because Mrs. Boss is in the chat. Mrs. Boss, you need to behave yourself because you're in the chat. Just saying. Just saying. Michael mentions uh, YouTube tossing a couple of comments that he made over on Culture Casino's channel. The, the YouTube algorithm has changed again, apparently. I did watch Legal Mindset's video on it, uh, the new terms of service and such. I think, I think what we're running into, this is the kind of thing that, uh, that some of these technology people are, are working on now. Game developers and whatnot are, are using this same kind of thing. Where we'll put this thing out, and then we'll fix it as we go, because as, as, as it rolls out and people start to use it, we'll discover what problems we didn't fix before we rolled it out. And so these new YouTube terms of service, you know, the no profanity in the eight seconds, that, that I'm not worried about because we don't. But this whole reusing material, that's going to be... That's going to be a little twitchy because we use this, we do the same thing over and over again in the beginning of our stuff. We give you a countdown, we give you the opening title sequence. What we got, we got people that are doing this stuff, and it's maybe a problem. I don't know. I don't know if YouTube is going to see that and say, You guys are doing the same thing over and over again. That's spam. We're not supposed to do that. I don't know what YouTube's going to do with it. So every now and again, we'll shake it up a little bit just to have some, just some, have some variety in the algorithm. 
for our Google YouTube Lord Masters. Road Vagabond Life over on Odyssey. Someone needs to be running Linux. You know, I I keep I keep seeing people talking about Linux, and I'm I'm cautiously curious about Linux, but I haven't pulled the trigger on Linux because then I'd have to do all of this all over again. I'd have to get a brand new rig. I mean, I wouldn't have to I wouldn't have to replace all my monitors, the tower and stuff. But every time I replace the tower, it's a headache and a half. So uh, it, it, one of these days, maybe we'll see. Um, anyway, <coughs> excuse me. All right, I don't know why this cough is is coming back today. Probably because of all the rain outside, and if our signal just kind of poofs away, um, it's probably maybe because we've lost power. So. There's that warning ahead of time. Uh, shout out to people who are listening to this as a podcast. We got listeners in Canada, Spain, UK, Germany, Italy, and hey, look at that. South Africa showing up on the map today. Haven't seen that in a while, so welcome. Good to see all of you there. Okay, so um, SAG-AFTRA, <clears throat> the Screen Actors Guild, and uh, the... Uh, American Film Television Radio Actors Association. I, I, I can't remember exactly what that what that acronym stands for. This is the this is the union. This is the the actors union. Mrs. Boss, is that you doing that? Okay. So in the chat, in the chat widget, there is this little. St- Stupid little heart icon now that overlays the chat. I can't get rid of it. I can't do anything with it. If I click on it, it expands into the various different emojis. It's an emoji stand. And I'm looking, it just out of the corner of my eye, I keep seeing smiley faces and, you know, like on TikTok, like on like on live Instagram feeds or whatever, if you do that and they go the little it's doing that. I don't know why it's doing this. I don't love you that much. I don't know what this is. I mean, I do know what it is. I don't know why it's there. I don't like it. I can't get rid of it. Anyway. I will try not to let it distract me too much because I am a broadcast professional. So uh, the the uh, the actors union decided to go on strike, and so now we have two strikes going on in Hollywood right now. Uh, Scott Master Blaster says you broke the thing. I didn't break anything. I I I am constantly improving, and sometimes that's involving pain. Um, so the, so the actors union goes on strike. The writers union has been on strike for close to 80 days now. Has it been that long? Has it been longer than that? And Hollywood has shut down, essentially. All the productions are done, finished. And there are some other consequences to this that people have not foreseen. And those of us out here in the in the real world, outside of Hollywood, probably didn't anticipate this either because it's affecting conventions and it's affecting cosplayers and it's affecting influencers. So we'll get into that here in a second. But basically, the, the, the Screen Actors Guild Union, the, the Actors Union has said, 
we're not getting paid enough, and there are things that are not covered in our contract that now need to be in the contract because of developing technologies, uh, the use of AI, the use of digital characters, and same kind of thing with what the writers are dealing with with regard to AI. And it's coming out various different things that they're saying, you know, we don't have any contingency in our contracts to cover this stuff. It's a similar type of thing than what to what the Writers Guild uh, strike was about back in the 80s. And then the other one in, in 2008, in 2008, it was all about, you know, the transmedia, all of the online stuff. Well, now we're into streaming and residuals for streaming and how you get paid for repeat viewing on something when we can't keep track of how many times somebody has watched something, all, all of these different things. And then Screen Actors Guild comes in and says, well, you know, we need to we need to be fairly compensated for our work. And again, streaming comes into play. Residuals come into play. What am I going to get paid for repeats and reruns and, and people watching this thing over and over again? And then this thing about digital characters, because it's it's coming out into public <clears throat> that some of these people who are background characters, uh, extras, people who are just populating crowds and, and that sort of thing. You walk in, you have a scene in the restaurant, you have the two actors, but everybody else that's in the act in the restaurant behind them, you know, just in the background of just populating just warm bodies in the shot. That's what they're called background actors. Extras. Background actors is the most sophisticated term. Because, you know, extras, it just sounds like they're not important. Well, as it turns out, some of these background extras, background characters, have been scanned as part of the deal for whatever job they were doing. They were scanned in. And we've seen some of this where digital replication, you take a certain group of people and then you take that same group of people and you pop them in various different places. You make your crowd bigger using the, you know, you basically duplicate your shot over and over and over again. It used to be this, these were composites. And now you can just scan a person in and 3D and pop and you've got a, a new character. Well, as it turns out, these background performers were being scanned as part of their deal for whatever project they were have and now the studio has those as digital assets that they can use for crowd stuff and not pay anybody we scanned you now we have a picture of you and we can go and use it anytime we want and we don't have to pay you and the screen actors guild sitting there going hold the bus hang on no if you use somebody's image for something, then it need, you, there needs to be compensation for this. So that's one of the hangups. And there's a there's a detailed list. Let me see if I can pull it up. I've got it. I've got it here because I've got tons of different things pulled up. Where is the list? It is. I want to say it's a Hollywood Reporter. No, that's the waivers here. Now the the last time. The Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild were both on strike. Was in 1960. They've struck. They each each of them have struck before, but not together. 
Uh, Michael asked, do I count as a digital extra? I thought it was merely a rowdy, demanding, unpaid audience member. <laughs> Where's my check? Yeah. Well, you know, it's in the mail. I'm, I'm sending it to you electronically. Yes? You have a look on your face. You're starting to... Well, no, I was just thinking because you're talking about the uh, background actors. Is your microphone on? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. You're talking. I mean, it's on over here. <clears throat> yeah. Are you talking into it? Yes. Let me. Let me. Oh, yeah. Because I adjusted everything. Let me boost you up here. Go ahead. No, I'm just. I was thinking out loud to myself because I have a friend who is a friend out in California who was a background actress until she decided not to. Um, but she was like on Heroes, Carnival, and all that. I mean, lots of things. <clears throat> and I know that at one point she was going to, because there's a union for them. And because I remember her going through the process of bec uh, getting into the union. So I was just thinking out loud to yeah. myself, wondering, because you're talking about what the Screen Actors Guild is stating for this. And I'm curious about when their contract stuff comes up for that union and what they're going to have to say, especially with all this AI stuff. Background background characters are SAG. <coughs> no, she. there was another union. Well, SAG and AFTRA were, were the two actors' unions, and they merged here okay. about uh, how many years ago? Well, um, you got to remember, this was... You know, I haven't been out in L.A. with her yeah. for She was probably AFTRA. Okay. Okay. Anyway. But it's all the same union now. So anyway, so here's here's a thing. Let me uh, let me pull this up for you to see because this is um, deadline going through the list of the demands that uh, that SAG has put out there, and the uh, studio responses. I'm not going to go through all of them, but talking about uh, fair compensation and and wages and stuff. Uh, the union's asking for an 11% general wage increase in year one, 4% year two, 4% in year three. So this would be a three-year contract, I would guess. Without an inflation-adjusted year one wage increase, members will be working for lower real wages in 2023 than they earned in 2020 and would likely still be working for lower real wages even in 2026. And the studios came back with a counterproposal, 5% year one, 4% year two, 3.5% in year three. Okay, they're talking about this. So they're negotiating. Uh, Dave says uh, SAG and AFTRA merged in 2012. Okay, thank you. Now here's where we get into the streaming stuff. This is a proposal from SAG. New media re revenue sharing casts share in the revenue generated when their performances are exhibited on streaming platforms. This would allow casts to share in the success of high-performing shows. This proposal was rejected by the studios. Just flat out. No, we're not going to do that. And <clears throat> this strikes me as unusually harsh because in the past... The setup has been for reruns, royalties and residuals, as long as you negotiated for it, then every time a, a, a television episode or a movie showed on TV or on cable or wherever, every time that was out on public display somewhere, those performers who negotiated for that in their contract... Got a royalty, got a residual. It may not be a lot, 
but it's something. And for some people, the residuals and royalties actually end up being significant, <clears throat> or it might be the only thing that they got coming in because they don't have any more work because they've either aged out of the kind of character that they play, or they get typecast. I mean, the Star Trek cast is a is a good example of this. The original series, those those actors, George Takei, Walter Koenig, James Doohan, Nichelle Nichols. None of them got paid residuals for the reruns of Star Trek that have gone all of these years because it wasn't in their contract. Now, Shatner and Nimoy negotiated something, and they got a little bit, but <clears throat> they don't do that. Now, in, in Hollywood, in, in, the, in the movie industry, you have what's called points, participation points, which is... After all of the expenses are, are counted and after all of, the, all of the bills are paid for a movie, you have uh, whatever is left over. So profit, quote-unquote. You know, Hollywood math, there's generally no profit. But if a, if a movie is successful, if a movie shows a profit, then a certain piece of that is carved out for participation points and that becomes a 100% block, all right? So let's say let's say we have a million dollar profit. We're going to carve out $200,000 of that for the participation points. So the 200,000 becomes the 100%. And depending on how many points you have and the point is a percentage. So if I negotiate for one point of the participation profits and we got $200,000 to play with, then I get, what, 2,000? 1% of 200,000 is what, 2,000? Check my math here, Mrs. Boss. Is that right? 1% of 200,000 is 2,000 or 200? You're, you're, you're supposed to be able to do this in your head. Is it 200? 2,000. 1%, huh? 2,000. Okay, thank you. So if you negotiate for points off the back end, and a lot of times actors will do this instead of their usual fee. So instead of paying $20 million to The Rock ahead of time, maybe they pay him half his fee, $10 million, and then they give him 11 points off the back end. Those kind of things are all negotiated in the contracts. So, you know, in terms of compensation packages. But with royalties and residuals on reruns, it's the same kind of thing. If you don't put it into the contract, you don't get that, that payment. And you can negotiate for a certain percentage or how much. If it does this much, then I get that much. It was kind of the thing with, that came out when, when Scarlett Johansson sued Marvel and Disney over Black Widow and the mess that came out of that, putting it day and date, because there were certain performance benchmarks that said if the movie does X at the box office, then we get Z compensation. It's, it's a bonus structure that depends on performance at the box office, and with it going straight to streaming, that undercut that whole thing, and, and they didn't get any of that. So with streaming... And in 2008, it was digital. It was the web. It was it was online TV series and and webisodes and that sort of thing. I mean, the names have changed, but the the guilty remain guilty, right? Now you have this new media stuff 
the streaming services and and whatnot. And there's not a good way that we know of for tracking how many of these things get seen over and over and over and over again. Now, I will I will hedge a bet. I will I will go out on a limb here and speculate that the streaming services absolutely have a way of tracking this. Because they can track watch time, they can track how many minutes gets viewed. So they have to be able to track this stuff in multiple different ways. They've got to be different iterations, different ways to sort this. So they should be able to track how many times this episode got seen in this player, this mess, this machine, this thing. Because otherwise, how do you track anything for your ad revenue? How do you track anything for your shareholders and your subscriber count? Because you... you you have revenue coming in from your subscriptions. And then you've got to do the whole thing with, you know, figuring out how much of that is compensation for the people that are in your in your business, in your C-suite, and your executives, and your staff, and all of that. So that kind of thing has to be known somewhere. And, and it is very telling that none of the streaming services ever want to put out any of this information. They'll talk about some watch minutes, and we got other companies, third parties like Samba TV, for example, that have a limited ability to measure this stuff. Nielsen does some, Samba TV does some, but we don't actually have the real hard numbers from the networks because they will not disclose that information. And Veger is very upset about that. Uh, Michael saying, uh, with regard to points, wasn't that how the Star Wars originally trilogy cash got rich? It definitely was for George Lucas. <clears throat> and and for Steven Spielberg because Steven Spielberg got a little bit off the back end for Star Wars as well and I want to say Brian De Palma did too um, I'm not sure about the actors I, I think I think Harrison Ford had that in his contract I don't know about the others I'm not sure so I don't want to talk out of turn I'm not I'm not sure how that is. But yes, that is how that's how certain actors get very, very rich. Is being in a very, very successful movie or TV show or franchise and getting paid off the back end of it. Now, with streaming services, since nobody is publicly acknowledging an ability to track this stuff, then the studios don't want to say that they can do that because then it opens them up to obligations to pay the performers, the writers, and the directors, the cast and crew, and all of that. So they just flat out reject this new media revenue sharing. Now that's going to come back to bite them. Eventually, they're going to end up having to pay something for this. They're just going to have to because this, this, is the, this is the new model. This is the way forward with everybody doing a streaming network, then at some point, people are going to sit there and go, no, you're not, you're not, it's going to be in my contract that I'm going to get paid X and so number. If this goes to streaming, then you pay me a bonus. 
and it's going to be an exorbitant bonus, and it won't be tied to the success of the show because you don't give me the numbers. Well, I'm just going to charge you a flat fee, and you're going to have to pay me if you want this show to go on streaming and use my likeness. They're going to play hardball. This is going to be one of those. <clears throat> this is going to be one of those sticky points that's not going to go away. Um, <clears throat> bunch of stuff here about per diems and schedule breaks and singers and dancers, people, people performing. You know, clarifications of of definitions and and whatnot. Uh, increasing allowances for background actors and hair and wardrobe and you know whole new whole new guidelines that they want to put in for self-tape auditions and online auditions and you know stuff because covid because pandemic everybody was at home but we're still going to do auditions i'm going to record them on my computer at home or i'm going to do it by zoom and do i get paid for that do i get some compensation for doing that all all of that stuff is coming into the mix here and all of this stuff. Now, down down in this list, and this is something that people have been kind of pointing out and saying, well, this is kind of weird. Um, it's, it's good here, though, that stunts, stunts are starting to be put into this as well for residuals. So you go down here. Here's one here. Artificial intelligence. <clears throat> this is another one of these things. That is a sticking point, both for the Writers Guild and for SAG. Now, this is the SAG list. Artificial intelligence. They want SAG wants to establish a comprehensive set of provisions to protect human-created work and require informed consent and fair compensation when a digital replica is made of a performer or when their voice, likeness, or performance will be substantially changed using AI. Okay. The, the response from the studios is this fails to address many vital concerns, leaving principal performers and background actors vulnerable to having most of their work replaced by digital... Okay, that's not the, that's not the studio response. <clears throat> this is well, the reason why they want this. They're like, you're, you're going to get us for free if you scan us, and that's not fair. Um, <clears throat> they want better residuals for... Uh, subscription-based, so SVOD, subscription video on demand. And that's another thing. Every time something gets rented, video on demand, there's a number. There's a count. And that has to be tracked somewhere. If I'm, if I'm on Amazon Prime and I want to watch The Wizard of Oz and, 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 it's, and it's SVOD, I have to pay a fee to see that movie... That gets tracked. That information is in a database somewhere. And Amazon ought to be able to stay there and say, hey, how many times has The Wizard of Oz been seen SVOD in the month of March? 22 times. Okay. 22 times it's SVOD. That's that's the basis for our account for residuals. And that's how many you pay. That's, that's how you get paid. But down here... <clears throat> Way down. You got healthcare stuff. You got on-screen credit. All all of these different things about various different things. But down down here in the legal stuff. Now this is one that people have been pointing at, going tee hee hee tee hee hee, because it's 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 worded weird. And and road vagabond life. I don't think people get paid to to audition. 
Um, but I think there are certain, I think there are certain times when if a studio makes a specific request, then there's some question as to whether or not there should be some compensation for one way or the other. I'll go back and look at that on the list here in a second. But this, this thing with the arbitration, this is, this is what people are having a, having a laugh over. SAG-AFTRA has proposed replacing deceased arbitrators with living ones. Now, on the surface, that kind of makes you kind of, huh, wait, what? They're using dead lawyers? But that's not what this says. Unions, when they go into contract negotiations and when they go into arbitrations, there are third parties who come in to act as the middleman, the go-between, to say, okay, well, you're going to do this and you're going to do that and these people are going to do this and they're going to do it. And it's the give-a-little person in the middle who says, you know, I go to SAG and SAG will do this if you'll do this studio and then takes back the, well, studio will do this if you'll do this SAG. They're, they're the negotiator in the middle, right? They're the hostage negotiator. They're the one who sit there and says, okay, we got to get this thing wrapped up and figured out. What this is telling me is that there are people on the arbitration team, there's a list, and the list is approved by both parties. In this, in this case, SAG and the unions, or, or SAG and the studios, rather. And apparently, there are some people that are on that list of arbitrators who have passed away. And so they need to be replaced. And so SAG is saying, we're going to, we want to replace these people because they haven't been replaced yet. And we want to name some new people onto the arbitration team. And so that's, that's what that is. That's not... We've been using dead lawyers for all this time. You know, it's not anything like that. <clears throat> okay, let's go back and look at this audition thing real quick, and then we'll take a real quick break. Let me uh, let me scroll back through because we haven't even gotten into what this does everywhere else. <clears throat> uh, virtual auditions here, SAG after have proposed, and the parties have tentatively agreed that all the relevant protections for self-tape auditions shall apply to virtual auditions. Uh, virtual being get on Skype, get on Zoom. Uh, in addition, production shall provide additional privacy protections in virtual lobbies, maintain records of performances, call times, and wait times for the calculation and enforcement of overtime pay. So I guess they, I guess, I guess they get paid to audition. If, I guess, well, all right, here we go. Casting and self-tape auditions. Performers should not be required to pay for access to employment opportunities, nor provided preferential treatment in exchange for fees to a casting platform. Self-taped auditions, proposed reasonable rules and expectations for self-taped auditions that alleviate some of the burden and costs of casting that have shifted to members. For example, establish a minimum turnaround time for self-taped auditions for adults and minors. Uh, disclose if an offer is out for the role and has already been cast at the time self-taped auditions are requested. Um, I don't see anything here about compensation, but it sounds like they might be doing something with regard to just procedures and logistics. But see, the thing about it is with that, 
I I could see an argument could be made <clears throat> because the audition process is a little bit different. Let's say I'm 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 a filmmaker, and I have been before, and I've got this I've got this movie that I'm going to make. I've written this I've written this script, and I have a specific person in mind to play this part. As a matter of fact, I do have a screenplay that I wrote, and it's about. Alien Invasion, and one of the people that I have in mind for this is Brink Stevens. I wrote this part specifically for Brink Stevens. I have another part that's specifically for... um, I just went blank on her name. She's... uh, She was a guest on Farscape a couple of times, or or Stargate. Anyway... it, it doesn't matter. So I've got this part that I've written specifically for Brink Stevens. It's a scientist. Russian scientist. Now, if I go in there and I say, Brink Stevens, I would like for you to tape a piece so that I can go back to the producers and I can say, this is who I want for this role. I could see an argument to be made for her getting paid to do that because I'm making a specific request of her to do work for this project to sit there and say, this is the person I want for this project. Whereas if I put this, this story out there and an agent hears about it or an actor hears about it, says, Oh, Hey, I heard you. I heard you wrote a part for a Russian scientist. I think I could really, I can, I can play a Russian scientist here. Let me send you an audition. That's an actor doing that on their own. I don't see where you would expect to be compensated for that. So it's kind of a it's kind of a little bit of both and a little bit of neither. Maybe I'm not in that part of the business. Well, I'm not in the business anymore at all, but I've I've not been in that in that part for the logistics stuff to know exactly how that happens. But I, that's the that's the reasonable scenario that I could see in my head. Not that Hollywood is reasonable. <clears throat> so, uh, Death Angel Shadows says, as long as none of the SAG actors pledge to take out an executive's house with threatening or violent means. <laughs> oh, hey, speaking of which, you want to talk about you want to talk about playing dirty? Thanks, Death Angel Shadow. I'll show you this. this uh, you you want to playing dirty? This is dirty pool here, folks. Oh, thank you, Keely. Keely has put in the chat over on YouTube the link to our interview with Brink Stevens here on this very show. So, when a union goes on strike, they get their picket signs, and they go out, and they stand on the sidewalk in a public area, and they walk up and down the sidewalk with their picket signs, and they you know stand in front of the building they're striking, and they're saying, you know, this, the, these people are not not being fair to us workers. And in front of the Universal Studios lot, there's a line of trees on the sidewalk. And this is where the protest, this is where the, the, the picketers, this is where the picket line has been, under these trees in California in July. And Universal Pictures trimmed all the trees and took all the shade away from the picket line. 
I mean, these trees are back to bare nothing. You talk about dirty pool. Yeah, regardless of where you stand on whether the union is is doing right or the studios doing right or anything like that, this is just rude. And it could very well be that this was scheduled before all of this th- came apart, in which case maybe somebody wasn't thinking and they sat there and went, you know what, hey, we forgot this was scheduled for Friday. Well, oops, it's too late to cancel it. But this is really bad optics. This is really bad optics. Uh, Road Vagabond Live. Do A-listers have to walk the picket line? Uh, I don't. I don't know that anybody has to walk a picket line. Um, I think. I think people sign up for it and they go out. But I have seen plenty of A-listers that have been out there. Uh, well-known. Actors uh, who are both walking the SAG line, and they were out with uh, with the Writers Guild, uh, people that you would recognize, people who are are pretty high high up on the on the list. If they haven't if they haven't been on the picket line, they've been very vocal. I know I know George Clooney has come out and spoken about it. Um, I've seen uh, James Gunn's brother Sean out there. Uh, on the on the line, uh, the Star Trek cast has been out, or not the original the original series people. I'm sure George Takei is out there somewhere, but uh, it it varies. I mean, you've got um, Todd Stashwick has been out there. the The new Trek people have been out there. So, I, what's your definition of a listers? I guess is the is the question. Ruffalo's been out there. Um, I haven't seen I haven't seen pictures of Scarlett Johansson or Tom Hanks or anybody like that, but you know I haven't really been looking for photographs of the picket lines, but I know a number of people are out there. So, I, what would be your definition of a lister? I guess because some of them are older. I don't expect Harrison Ford to be out there on the picket line, especially if there's no shade. Yeah, especially if there's no shade. Although Harrison Ford throws enough shade on his own that, uh, you know, it could, it, could, it could count for it. All right, we're going to be right back. And then we're going to go through some of the perhaps unintended consequences of the strike right after this. Stand by. Our transmitters are made from hand wavium. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Oh my goodness, that, Jason, is probably, I think, the hardest question you're going to ask. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. That's a good question, though. That's an interesting question. Question. That's a great question. Count on Sci-Fi for me to be there asking all of the questions. Um, it's another great question. These are all really good questions. Bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here, inviting you to join us every Saturday morning for news. The week's headlines in science fiction, fantasy, horror, comic books, video games, plus Comic-Con updates and the weather, and the occasional interview along the way. We call it Good Morning Multiverse. We hope to join us every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. All 
All right, back live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here along with all of you who are with us live. We're on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey. The strike continues. The double strike continues. And it, and it could have been a triple, except the Director's Guild didn't play ball. Director's Guild made a deal. But you've got the Writer's Guild out there. You've got the Screen Actors Guild out there on the picket line. And this does affect more productions with the actors going on strike than it does the writers. Because with the writers going on strike, you already have a bunch of scripts that are already done, ready to produce, ready to go, let's shoot. Whereas now, with the actors on strike, you don't have anything available, except maybe there are some exceptions to that. Because there are some exceptions. There are some waivers. and Because there are, you know, there are productions going on in other countries. Uh, this doesn't affect anything that's going on in Australia, for example. That's anything that's local to Australia, if it's, all, it's an all-Australian production, then they're moving forward and they're doing things. You've got stuff that's going on in the UK. You've got stuff that's going on in Canada. But the question comes up, especially in the UK and Canada, if you've got productions that involve American actors... What does that do? And so you now start to have discussion about waivers and basically trying to get permission slips from the unions for union actors to work on independent productions. Now, we've been talking about how indie projects are going to be the next thing. You know, alt media, us here in the in the YouTube and 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 Rumble space and the independent media space. This is going to be where the next thing comes from. The next George Lucas, the next you know Sylvester Stallone. This is where it's going to come from. Are these independent film productions? You want to talk about movies that are twenty you know twenty million dollar films or fifteen million dollar films that have actors. Uh, Mrs. Boss and I finally watched Haywire uh, Sunday night with Gina Carano. This is a Steven Soderbergh film, and it's and it doesn't look like it was a very expensive movie to make. And there are a lot of names in this thing, and I'm thinking, you know what? This is this is an example of the kind of film you could do as an independent feature. If you don't have a whole lot of money, but you get waivers from the Screen Actors Guild, you can pay a certain amount. If the union goes for it, then you can have union actors on your non-union production. I've done it. I have had waivers, and I have had permission slips. I've had you know certain actors that I've had to pay a certain amount based on the budget of my film. But you get that waiver, you get that that piece of paper that says yes this union actor can work on this non-union thing and so you've got a lot of independent independent producers who are wanting to get those waivers so they can still get whatever actor they want for their productions now this hollywood reporter article talks about canadian productions but i would think that it applies to american productions too unless you're a producer that's standing in solidarity with sag and not going into any kind of production like Christopher Nolan is deciding to do. Uh, Road Vagabond Life says, I have a Canadian doppelganger who makes illegal overnight camping videos. Really? 
uh, I get, uh, you mean a Canadian who looks like me? I have run into this before. <clears throat> All right, story time, kids. <clears throat> when I was in college, long, long, long time ago, my first time in college, late 80s in college, some people said that I looked like somebody. I don't know if you're familiar with the actor Tom Green. He was married to Drew Barrymore for a while. I don't know if they still... I don't think they're still married. But Tom Green, I think, was a comedic performer, comedian, person, trying to be. And a lot of people said that I look like Tom Green. Now, of course, that was back before... Before I before I gained gained a, a pound or two and a, and a gray hair or three, um, but I thought I don't look anything like Tom Green, and I looked at some photographs. And I was like, eh, I I could see it maybe. I've also had a couple of people say that I look like Martin Short. I <laughs> now I've put on weight since then. I've my my face is fuller now. You have to understand, back in the day, I did not eat very much. I didn't take care of myself very much. And you look at photographs of me in my 20s, I look like I have cancer. I'm real thin, skinny bone. That, that's, that's me. Now, I've eaten since then, so I look better. I look healthier now than I did 30 years ago. But... I I don't I, Martin I could take Martin Short over Tom Green but I don't think I look like either one of them. I don't know. Jay says Tom Green's who who I thought you looked like when Tammy first showed me a picture. <laughs> that was a long while ago. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. So <sighs> that's 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 my story. All right, story time's over. Let's get back to this. So you've got. Um, You've got uh, uh, crews hoping to get waivers and actually have gotten one now. The the Chosen, which is a faith-based series, has been granted. It's the first, the first production to be granted SAG waivers so they can continue filming. And they got, they got this exemption. This is Deadline. Uh, the, pl- the prayers of the Chosen fans have been answered with news. That season four of the popular Jesus of Nazareth series has been granted a waiver from SAG to continue filming amid the strike. Uh, The series' official Twitter account tweeted yesterday afternoon, PST, great news, we just received word from SAG that we've been approved for a waiver, we'll continue shooting on Monday. Uh, We've subsequently had it confirmed from sources close to the project that the series has restarted with full cast and is due to wrap in two weeks. The Utah shot series barely missed a beat, only having to film a day or two without cast. The series includes multiple SAG actors, including star Jonathan Romy, who plays Jesus. So here's an American production that's shot in Utah, and they got a waiver. They got an exemption. Now, it's possible that we only got two more weeks to shoot. We need to finish. And so SAG says, okay, finish. It could very well be something like that. Uh, a recent Instagram post by creator Dallas Jenkins implored SAG for an exemption. Quote, we've submitted all the requested paperwork immediately. We fit all qualifications for an exemption. 
Every day that goes by without your response costs us hundreds of thousands of dollars while your actors are stuck in Utah. We're the good guys. We've treated your actors well. The Chosen becomes the first known TV series to be granted an exception and the first known film or TV production to have restarted after being halted by the strike. It is widely anticipated that waivers will largely apply to indie films given that most U.S. series are made with a studio. The agreements are being granted to truly independent producers as long as they are not affiliated with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. That's who these unions are striking against is AMPTP and agree to be bound retroactively to whatever contract terms eventually are achieved with them when the strike is settled. So there is hope. And again, this is where the indie productions are coming in. I saw Larry Correa was talking about this earlier on, uh, on Facebook. You have on the one side of this battle the studios, the corporations, the Disneys, and the 20th Century Fox, and, the, and, and you know, Lionsgate, all, the, all this big corporate America stuff, right? And on the other hand, you have the unions of these Hollywood actors. Now, many of them are just regular folks, like all of us. But what the general public sees are the outspoken, activist, crazy people. You, you get people like Mark Ruffalo who, who mouth off at every little thing. They'll preach at us. They'll lecture us. They'll decide, you're not good enough. You know, we're the unwashed masses in their eyes. And that's who comes out front and center in front of the cameras, mouthing off about politics and religion and faith and ideology. and what's this? It's like that becomes representative of Hollywood. So the general public sees those people and all of Hollywood is like that. You get this blanket assumption. And Korea's sitting there, and he makes a good point. He's like, the, the general public doesn't care because we don't like either of you because of the actions of a few on both sides. We don't like either one of you. Hollywood can burn, and we're going to go to these independent productions. We're going to go watch Sound of Freedom. We're going to go watch The Chosen. We're going to go watch... The apology dance. We're going to go where people are making stuff. We're going to go to YouTube. We're going to go to Rumble. We'll watch Joe Rogan. We don't care about your $500 million movies. Y'all can go, y'all can go fight amongst yourselves in the corner. We'll go over here and be adults without you. And so maybe... Maybe this strike goes on for a while because it's not going to get traction in the general public. Maybe. But then, maybe not. Because it's going to affect not just the actors and productions, it's going to affect some of us in the alt media. And it's going to affect conventions. It's going to affect Comic-Cons. Now, the general public goes to Comic-Cons. A select percentage of people go to the Comic Cons. This is Variety. SAG after strike FAQ. How the rules apply to influencers, journalists, cosplayers, and more. Because SAG has put this stuff out there. 
Um, so it starts to get a little squeaky here. So here's 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 some of these here's some of these questions. I'm a film critic. Can I review movies? And so they say yes. Critics are not on strike and are not obligated to stop reviewing movies or TV shows. I'm an entertainment journalist. Can I cover movies and TV? And their answer is yes. Entertainment journalists, whether they belong to a union or not, are not on strike. See, the journalists have their own union. RM. RMTPA, I think, radio, television, and uh, radio, television, it's been so long since I've been in, RT, no, RTM, RT, RTMPT, I think, anyway, radio, it's a radio, television union, um, I'm an entertainment journalist, will any actor talk to me about their project, and the answer is probably not, that would be promoting struck work. So basically what they're doing here is they're telling actors, if you're, if you're a member of SAG and we're on strike, whatever you do as an appearance or an interview or anything like that, you cannot do anything to promote work that is being done or has been done by one of the signatory studios for AMTPT. So... San Diego Comic-Con is coming up this weekend. One of the biggest conventions, one of the biggest genre conventions, one of the biggest media conventions, and we've already got all of these all of these studios saying we're not going to take anything to Hall H to do any pr uh, promotion this year. And then the strike happens, so actors if they're scheduled to go to a Comic-Con of any sort, they're going to be limited to what they can talk about. Because not only could, you know, say Harrison Ford, for example. Harrison Ford makes an appearance at San Diego Comic-Con. He can't talk about 1923. He can't talk about Captain America Brave New World. He can't talk about Indiana Jones 5. And he can't talk about Star Wars. He can't talk about American Graffiti. He can't talk about Witness. He can't talk about some uh, uh, Patriot Games. He can't talk about anything that was made by any of the studios against which SAG is striking. So what are you going to ask him about? How does it feel to be married to Callista Flockhart? Well, I'll tell you. I mean, what are you going to talk to him about? How many, how many carpentry jobs did you do high? I mean, what are you going to ask him? You can't ask him about Star Wars. You can't ask him about Indiana Jones. You can't ask him about any of the work that he's done for the studios. And that applies to everybody. Not just current year, not just the actors who are working now. You can't talk to William Shatner about Star Trek. You can't talk to anyone about work that was done for a film or television studio that's a signatory to the AMTPT. So, what do you do? Now, the actors can still fulfill their obligations. They're contracted to appear at Comic-Cons. They'll go in and they'll sign their autographs and they'll do their photo shoots and their whatnot. But what can you do with panels? 
How does that affect panels? You could talk. Yep, yeah, you could talk to Tom Cruise about it. You know what? That's what we could do. We Edward get James we get almost and him together. Edward James almost and Tom Cruise exactly. We'll get them together. We'll talk about shoes for an hour. And and Robert Downey Jr. as well, because he he has lifts and issues. Let's talk. Let's talk shoes for an hour. You could do that. And Edward James almost tells a really great story about these shoes that he found, and he says these these are. These are the best shoes that I've ever had, and I require them. It's in his contract that he gets these shoes to wear on any of the production that he does because they are so comfortable. He's been wearing them since Miami Vice. But if you're a Comic-Con organizer, now you have a whole new list of things to be concerned about because not only are you going to have to worry about what your what your the actors who have signed on to make an appearance at your event what are they going to talk about but you also now have to make sure that the fans don't ask those questions i'm sorry we can't talk about that i'm sorry you can't ask that question i'm sorry you can't ask that question you know how many times people are going to say that i'm sorry you can't ask that question we're not allowed to talk about that Can you imagine what this is going to do? The frustration among fans for not being able... I've got this one time that I can stand here and I can ask William Shatner a question and I'm not allowed to ask him a question about Star Trek. I have the entire cast of Strange New Worlds at Star Trek Las Vegas, which is now not an official thing, but I can't ask them anything about Strange New Worlds. I can't do it. <coughs> Jay says, if an actor is signing autographs on pictures from movies they've done, how is that any different from talking about those movies? Aren't they making money in a way from the movies? No. That's, a good, that's an excellent question. Maybe. Are they going to be able to do that? And this affects cosplayers as well. And it affects influencers as well. Like say I'm a cosplayer. All right. If I'm a member of SAG, because there are some actors who cosplay, and there are some cosplayers who are, you know, like background characters, and you know, people who do that, there are some cosplayers who are members of SAG. And they're not going to be allowed to cosplay any character that's part of a production from a studio that's signed with AMPTP. So, Arizona, you know, Karen Nicole, Arizona Power Girl, if she's SAG, she can't cosplay Power Girl right now. I don't know if she's SAG or not. I'm just pulling that out as, as an example. But cosplayers who are, who are SAG members can't cosplay anything related to a production company that's been struck. What is that going to do? Do cosplayers start coming up with their own original characters? Are we going to see a really wide mix of cos a brand new original cosplay maybe? I don't know. 
Maybe cosplayers will start looking at independent productions. Maybe we'll start seeing some Isom cosplay. Maybe we'll start seeing some Yaira cosplay. Maybe we'll see some more uh, 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 Cyberfrog cosplay. Maybe we'll start seeing some more Common America cosplay. Who, who knows? What does this do? And for the influencers, influencers, I say, hey, you know, I'm an influencer. Well, if the influencer does some, see, this is this is the thing. This and says, here's where it gets tricky. Most influencers are non-union and not subject to any strike rules, but some of them do work under the SAG after influencer agreement. <clears throat> Or may want to talk, or may want to someday. And those influencers have been asked not to promote struck work either for pay or organically. However, if an influencer already has a contract to promote something, the union advises them to fulfill the obligations of the contract. So, I'm an influencer for my 2,400 people that are subscribed on YouTube. I'm covering Indiana Jones, which is part of a struck production. It's Disney. I'm an influencer. I'm going to continue to talk about yesterday. We talked about the Snow White production. And we'll probably talk about Lucasville. We'll probably talk about what's going on at Disney because of Bob Iger stuff. You know, the stock price, all of that stuff. I'm an influencer. I'm going to be talking about this stuff because that's what the that's the news. That's the trending news of the day. Now, if, if I want to apply to SAG at some point, because reasons, SAG's going to look at that and say, you know what? You kind of you did, didn't go along with what we want, so we're not going to let you in. People who apply to membership for SAG can be retroactively denied based on past activity. So this is kind of one of these sort of Damocles situations here. If I'm an influencer and I don't want to be popular and I want to join SAG one of these days and be part of the union, it restricts what I'm able to do now for those that care about such things. Road, road Vagabond, can the Chewbacca actor still be a furry if he's into that? Well, you know, uh, if Jonas wants to dress up as a furry, he can do that. He just can't dress up as Chewbacca. If he, he can create his own character or he can, he can go through maybe some kind of anime or manga character or something that doesn't have anything to do with what's going on in Hollywood, sure, go ahead. But if you're if you're trying to get into see this is this dampens the enthusiasm for trying to even bothering to even get into the union, and this goes back to conversations that we've had with Cameron Pasha with regard to the Writers Guild, because the Writers Guild you're going to have the same kind of thing, and you have people that are going to change the nature of their membership and they're going to go financial core, which means I'm going to pay my dues, but I'm not going to be a voting member, and I'm not going to care about what you tell me I can or cannot do, because I need to go to work. 
And I don't know if SAG has that same kind of scenario, if they, if they have that kind of a membership tier. But the longer this thing goes, the more Hollywood is going to collapse in on itself. And you got a lot of people that are going to be out of work that are going to sit there and go, you know what? I'm going to go to these independent projects. I'm going to go, uh, maybe I'll take a serious look at Daily Wire Productions. Maybe I'll go look at Angel Studios and see what they got going over there. This is going to be an interesting scenario. It'll be... I'm curious to see how it plays out. Because, like I said, we have not had a writers and actors strike simultaneously since, since the 60s. When Ronald Reagan was unofficial with SAG. This is back when he was an actor, not a not not a politician. Alright, that's gonna do it for us today. I have no idea what we're gonna talk about tomorrow. It looks like we managed to survive. The RAM looks like it's working. <sighs> I'm happy. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Don't forget, you can connect with us on various different social media platforms and the uh, 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 video platforms, all this other stuff. Sign up for the newsletter. I will eventually get back to putting those things out. See, and that's the other thing. Maybe that's maybe that's my next topic because uh, um, there are a lot of people that are going back and leaving social media and going back to the 90s style, 90s and the aughts, where here's my website. Maybe we'll talk about that at some point. All right, that's it for today, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Remember, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. God has a plan for you, and there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 